All right. Welcome in to a Wednesday edition of the Sports Huddle on SEMO ESPN Radio, 1220 AM, 93.5 FM, and you can always find us online. We are at SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer Jess Bolin inviting you to join us in the huddle. Here's our EBOMD huddle hotline number. It is 573-334-1220. The huddle hotline is powered by EBOMD and the Missouri Sports Hall of Famer. Jess Bolin is on the huddle hotline out of pocket this morning. Jess, how are things? Hey, everything's fine. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm here at the hospital and talking to you on the phone. And uh, if uh, I get news about my little sister, I will have to go right away. So I just, just want people to know why I'm going to leave in the middle of a conversation if I have to. But she's uh, having minor surgery. And so uh, I'm ready to go. Well, I found me a place to talk, and I'm ready to go. All right. Uh, Mike Rennick will uh, fill in for you here uh, in just a few minutes. So we'll get a chance to. Uh, chat here. Um, your thoughts on SEMO uh, getting set to head to Western Illinois University. It's uh, about a four and a half hour drive uh, to Western, and both of these teams are good, and neither one of the Red Hawk teams, Jess, has posted a road victory so far this year. This would be a nice time to start. It would be. Uh, you know, SEMO's one one in the conference. Had that unbelievably great game, that overtime game that they won, 93-91. And we thought that might propel them a little bit, you know, into better things. But then they wind up playing the, probably the one, one or two best teams in the conference in Moorhead. And so we'll see what happens in this game. But I think they got a good chance to recover from that Moorhead loss. And we'll see. But, you know, you got to win a few games on the road. Western Illinois has posted the men an eight and six record. They are one and oh, they they picked up a road win at SIU Edwardsville, and SIUE is a winning ball club too. They're eight and seven, uh, but WIU is eight and six, and they are really good on defense. Jess, uh, a lot like Moorhead State in that. Uh, they are second in the league in field goal percent defense, Moorhead's first. And they're second in the league in rebounding margin, Moorhead State is first. So uh, a similar team, uh, they may not hit as many three-pointers offensively as Moorhead State does, but it's going to be another good rebounding team that has a shutdown type defense. Yeah, and so, you know, that's kind of what you expect every game. I mean, this, I think the conference is pretty well evenly matched up maybe Moorhead and and, and uh, martin are a little bit you know more uh, of a concentrated type of defense and offense you have to play to beat those teams but most of the other teams i think are pretty well matched up so it you know i think it depends on individual games i mean not that a team's got a great record or what but how you play that day and simo i think is going to be better at the end of the year much better than they have been and when do you start? Well, maybe maybe now. Hey, Jess, uh, with Michigan 
and Washington playing for the national championship coming up on Monday. Um, on Get Up, the ESPN television show hosted by Mike Greenberg, who follows us here on ESPN Radio, he had Paul Feinbaum on, who is uh, you know basically the guru of all things college sports. And earlier in the season, Feinbaum had made a statement that if Michigan would win the national championship, he believes that it would be tainted because of the sign-stealing scandal. Well, they had him back on uh, yesterday, and he kind of walked those comments back just a little bit. Here's the clip of uh, Get Up with Mike Greenberg and Paul Feinbaum. You know that people have said, and candidly, I believe you are one of those people, who has said if Michigan wins a championship this year, it will be tainted based upon all the things that have happened. He's one one away from doing it. Will it be tainted, Paul, if they win it? Greeny, I don't think so. And I know what I said, and I know what many of others have said. Attaboy. Look at that. Attaboy. The current state. Hey, uh, let me just interject for a second. State of college football r- right yeah. now, uh, it is it, it is such a mess. Uh, and and while a, a lot of us find what we believe the case to be here to be repugnant, uh, almost everything about college football right now is repugnant. So I, I think Michigan, if they win, they'll ho- they'll hoist the trophy. There'll be haters out there, but most people I think are going to go. Congratulations, you were the best team. Do you think, Jess, there will be a big pocket of people? that will believe that the national championship is tainted. And remember, the sign-stealing scandal happened before they played Ohio State, before they got into uh, before the Penn State game, uh, before Ohio State, before the college football playoff even started. Uh, do you think there will be a big pocket of people that believe there is an asterisk next to Michigan's national championship if they win it? Of course. You're always going to have people that are never going to forgive you for anything. And I, I don't even know if they're guilty, but I remember how I felt about the Patriots when they played the Rams and um, they <laughs> said they pretty well sure they knew the signals and everything. So it's, it's awful that it happened. And um, but I'll say this. If they win this next Monday, they've earned it. I mean, you can only do so much of sign stealing stuff like. That. I remember in baseball, do you want to know the pitches like Houston Astros? How they cheated, and when I hit, I didn't want to know what the signs were stolen, and they give me a signal that it's fastball coming because I never did feel like they might not be right. You know, and then you really look stupid, or you can't get out of the way of a pitch if they say it's a curveball coming and it's a fastball up and in. And so, I, you know, maybe they're guilty, maybe they're not. It won't be tainted for me. I mean, they still had to win these last two games against unbelievably good teams. So if they do that, I don't. it wouldn't be tainted at all. But me, but certainly there's always going to be people that it is going to be tainted. You know, I made the comparison in the national championship game uh, on this show yesterday that after halftime – in the third quarter, Michigan's offense, it looked like the University of Iowa. I mean, they, they couldn't move the ball. They couldn't score. Uh, they had 23 yards of offense in the entire third quarter before they gathered themselves and made a push, uh, and the game went into overtime, and they ended up winning. 
while I made that comparison with Iowa, uh, I did want to follow it up with this one, Jess. Uh, Iowa and Tennessee played in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Iowa didn't score a freaking point. They got beat by Tennessee 35 nothing. That is Iowa Hawkeye offensive football. They have to be the worst offense for any college football team that won 10 games in the regular season. I agree. I watched them play a couple of two or three games, and it's boring. I mean, it's so boring to watch them play. And I know they had a good record, and they did it all with defense. But, that I mean, it's okay. That how, no matter how you win, it's fine. But for viewing – the game on TV or in person, I don't see how they sold as many tickets as they did probably. But, you know, the bottom line is the fans would walk out with a W most of the time. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where they just happen to be real strong on defense, but simply, like you said, no offense. I mean, it's just hardly none there. Well, one Iowa team that doesn't have trouble with offense is the Iowa women's basketball program who has arguably the best player in the country, Caitlin Clark. And Jess, she did it again last night. They're on the road at Michigan. No, I'm sorry. They're at home uh, hosting Michigan State. Final seconds, game tied at 73. Caitlin Clark. Davis, time winding down. Are they going to get the ball up in time? Clark for the win. Forty points for Clark, including the game winner, and she hit it probably six or seven feet behind the three-point line. Jess, have you seen Caitlin Clark play? I don't know for sure if I have or not. You know, you watch so many games, and I'm always scanning, and they've probably seen her, but I don't remember seeing her. So she must be an unbelievable. She very big. Uh, I'm gonna have to. I'm going to have to see how tall she is. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, she must be an excellent outside shooter and everything. Yeah, she's six feet tall. Six feet. Yeah, well, that's big for a woman in basketball, you know, and bigger than normal, I'd say. Usually it seems like so many of them are 5'6 to 5'8, 5'9, but um, it doesn't matter. She's big enough to get rebounds. She's big enough to get the putbacks and evidently she's excellent on outside shooting so i'm gonna have to try to watch her play so here's uh here's her stat line jess she got 40 in that game by the way uh she's averaging 32 points per game seven rebounds seven assists and she's shooting 49 percent from the field wow (laughs) those numbers are staggering uh if you go to try to guard her um, you know, you take any of those numbers you just read, and it probably will lead the league, the, the conference she's in. And to lead in all the, I mean, I'm not saying she's leading in any of them, but I'm sure she's leading points per game. Yeah. Yes, she is. Uh, but she may be a leader in two or three of those things you brought up. And I, I'm, you're making me want to see her play, and I'm sure I could pull it up on ESPN Plus. Oh yeah, you know some of those games that I will watch her play because it's very interesting. 
Jess, have you ever heard, and I think I know what the response is going to be, have you ever heard of the College of Biblical Studies in Texas? No. Okay. I think most people would probably give your response. Who, what, where, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, Grambling Women's Basketball from the SWAC last night played the College of Biblical Studies, and they won the game, Jess, this is not a misspeak, 159-18. to It's a 141-point victory, and that is the largest margin of victory in Division I women's basketball history. It has to be the largest win total against anybody. I bet there's no men's game that would reach those numbers. That's one of those deals where whoever scored 18, if somebody got four or five points, you'd say they're the star of the game. So. I've never heard of anything close to that in scores. That's amazing. And also, when, when the fans wall started walking out, <laughs> they they were. I up, think when it fell seventy behind, they'd probably do it for me. <laughs> they started the game up thirty-four to nothing. So from very early on, you kind of got the sense this may be a lopsided game. Yeah. It's like when you're 12 and mom and dad's there and maybe grandpa and grandpa a little league ball game. They scored 12 in the first, but we ain't batted yet. (laughs) (laughs) So a uh, 141-point victory for uh, Grambling over the College of Biblical Studies. All right, Jess, uh, Mike Rennick has popped in, and uh, uh, you've got some other things to take care of. Uh, so we're gonna let you run, and uh, we'll be thinking about uh, we'll be thinking about Neva. Okay, thank you very much. Enjoyed doing what I did this morning, and uh, everybody have a good day. Remember kindness; it pays off. All right, uh, we are out tomorrow and Friday. I'll be uh, traveling with Simo basketball, so we will reconvene with Jess on Monday and Mike Rennick has ducked in here have you had a uh, busy morning it's been busy yes i i but i'm i'm ducking i'm ducking into the the fun of the sports world which is always fun we're do. just talking uh women's college basketball we're talking uh caitlin clark caitlin clark and that bomb that she made to not really win the game but it did it did win the game yeah, yeah but the buzzer was at zero before she shot it Game-winning three that was, at the logo. That was a – man, that was a shot. And now that's, what, 35-plus points for her? And She's the, averaging 32. I thought I saw where she set a record for most games in a row with 35-plus points, but I could be wrong about that. Right, 45 30-point games, the most by a Division One player in the last – 25 years man she is uh i i haven't had a chance to watch a lot of her games uh my my brother-in-law actually is a big iowa fan so he he kind of turned me on to her um and having a 10 year old daughter who loves basketball which i do she's a an awesome college athlete to uh let her you know let her watch um 
whenever you can't, you know, watch the SEMO women. So had a good time showing her that highlight last night. And she can shoot it. There's no doubt about it. The most career points in Division One history, that record belongs to Kelsey Plume and Caitlin Clark is trying to chase it down. Uh, we mentioned the 45 30-point games, most by a D1 player in the last 25 years. Okay. She has 13 triple-doubles. Some people don't ever get a triple-double. <laughs> She's got 13. In college, it's different. You see a lot of them in the NBA. You do not see many triple-doubles in college basketball. You just don't. Uh, not that it never gets done, but it's, sure. it's a very rare feat. She has 10 40-point games, including two this season. She has scored at least 35 points in four consecutive games. That ties the longest streak over the last 25 years. And, oh, by the way, she also leads Division I in assists per game. Mm. And she's done that each of the last two seasons. So she does more than just score. And she was what? She was player of the year last year, right? Yeah. And they... They lost to LSU in the national championship. Oh, that's game. right. Remember? That's, yeah. They, they were uh, Angel. What was her? What yeah, there was, was a lot of trash talking going on right. there, wasn't there? And she uh, uh, was showing her her ring finger after <laughs> yeah, LSU right. had won the game. Yeah. And everybody got upset. So, uh, and also, I, I brought this up to Jess. Um, Grambling women's basketball last night beat the College of Biblical Studies 159-18. to 18. <laughs> I saw that. 141-point victory. That's an all-time record. I mean, it has to be. 159-18. to 18. Four tunnels. What, eight players scored in double figures? Eight players scored in double figures. And, uh, yeah, a Division One women's basketball record. I mean, I mean, do you imagine that you're going to see that in a game? I mean, 159, what, 141, was that the previous margin, I think, or the previous? Um, well, 141 is how bad they beat That's them. Okay, that's what they beat them by. Yeah, margin okay. of victory. Man, that's, uh, that's uh, unbelievable. That's like video game stuff, isn't Here, it? Here's the number. The College of Biblical Studies committed 57 turnovers. <laughs> Man, <laughs> 57 turnovers. It was a, a bit of a mismatch. They play, they're based in Houston. They play in the southwest region of the Division II National Christian College Athletic Association. So, first of all, they're not NCAA. Okay. And they're, it's just like uh, in junior college, you've get, Division One junior college and Division Two junior college, believe it or not. In this particular organization, the National Christian College Athletic Association, they're not even Division One in that association. They're Division Two. So, wow. The previous margin for victory was in 2018 when Savannah State beat Wesleyan, which is in Georgia. One fifty-five to twenty-six. I mean, at what point do you do you as a coach are you telling your team like just pass the ball around? You know, like, and I know that's got to be a hard position to be in as a as a head coach, right? But at what point are you 
you know, calling off the dogs and just saying, you know, okay, we've got our last bench person is in there. Uh, just pass the ball, you know, before the take a shot before the shot clock goes off, I guess, or maybe even let it expire. I mean, that's that's tough. One fifty nine to eighteen. Well, they were up 30, 34 zip to start the game. Right, I think right. Man. In the second quarter, it was eighty two to ten at the half. <laughs> Fifty seven turnovers. If you're the College of Biblical Studies coach in the huddle, you're like, let's see if we can keep our turnovers under fifty. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you taking calls? I, absolutely. All right, let's head to the EBOMD huddle hotline. Mike is on the line. Mike, thanks for the call. Welcome into the huddle. Good morning. How we doing, fellas? Doing well. Super. Prayers go out to Miss Neva. That's the first thing right off the top of the bat. There we go. um, I got a question for you. Did you see the ESPN AI-generated poll for the final top 25 yet, Eric? I did not. For college football? For college football, they've already generated their final top 25 from ESPN. Okay. It was computer poll. They have Ohio. They have uh, um, Michigan one, Georgia two, Ohio State three, what? and Missouri fourteen. Hmm. I saw it this morning. Now, Mike, that's obviously an outrage because Mizzou beat Ohio State and held them without a touchdown <laughs> in the was- Cotton Bowl. So, yeah, I can see why, and, and I don't care about. Uh, the quarterback is in the transfer portal, and Marvin Harrison Jr. opted out of the football game. Mizzou beat him head to head. Do you know where they have Washington ranked? Number twelve, and they're playing in the championship game. Wow! It, it this is a conf- blows, it blew me away when I saw that this morning. It's a computer. I wonder what info they're feeding the computer. It's, it's, I don't know, but I'd like to have some of what the computer's smoking if they're doing that. <laughs> I wonder what year it's that computer make you is. Feel good. It's the college football power index, Gosh. and and Mike's right. They have OSU at three, um, yeah. Missouri fourteen, Missouri fourteen, FSU is in, is ahead of Missouri. Yep. No, Notre Dame is ahead of Missouri. I mean it's. That's uh, Notre Dame ahead of Missouri. Notre Dame, aren't they? Didn't they lose three games? Yep, they did. Ten and three. They're a three-loss team. Yep. (laughs) I thought you would find that interesting. Yeah, they're clearly the computer is smoking crack, or someone uh, is generating something that is just trying to generate headlines. I was going to say, what's the what's the point of putting something like that out? You know, I mean, it, it. it's to it's to do what's happening right now. Fuel, yeah. just to talk. fuel debate and fuel <laughs> yeah. outrage. Right, exactly. ESPN must be out of headlines to do something like this. Is all I can say. I mean, do, do they do they take it? You know, you mentioned Ohio State. I mean, is that generated based off of their regular season roster? Has that had to be? Has to be. Yeah, I mean, they, it they, had to be. They have a they, they have a good defense, a really good defense, uh, but. You know, the quarterback and Marvin Harrison, they don't play defense, and they couldn't stop Missouri. No, And so. the QB that started for OSU, I mean, 
He oh. ba- he battled for the starting position. He, you know, they didn't decide the starting quarterback position until like one week before they played their first game. Remember? And, and I, yeah, and I think that they've they've discussed that they're not going to go into the portal for a quarterback at this point because they they like what they have with him and and whoever you know might be a backup potentially. So um, now, had he not gotten hurt, it may have been a different outcome, but. You still can't take away from what Missouri did, and you can't take away from Brady Cook either. That kid is is tough as nails. Now, I, I love the Cook kid as quarterback, and he finally found Burden for that touchdown there toward the end of the game. And those two are going to be good if they stay together for the next year or so. And that was a heck Cook's of a, that was what, a, heck a senior of a throw. next year though. Who's that? Cook. Yeah, quarterback. Yeah, yeah, he'll be back. So will Luther Burden. Yeah, so they're the only one they really lose is the running back, right? Right. right. Yeah, Schrader's gone. Yeah, but I tell you, it was it was a defensive slugfest in the first half, but then Missouri finally broke loose, threw some big plays, and and showed what they can do. They finally, wore, I think, they finally wore that offensive or defensive line of Ohio State down. And that's something that's tough to do. So, ranking, I just thought it was interesting ranking Ohio State third and Missouri 14. That just, that kind of piqued my interest just a little bit. So, where do they have Texas versus Alabama? Because Alabama beat, lost to Texas. Bama's ahead Alabama, of Texas. Alabama Bama's was ahead. six. Okay. Yeah, right. Texas is seven. LSU. So, head to head clearly w- mattered for that, those two schools. Yeah. But it yeah. doesn't matter for Ohio State, Mizzou, apparently. Now here's here's the real here's the real uh, issue. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> K State is ranked above Missouri. Yep, nine oh. and four in this. In that again, this is just the college football power index. K State nine and four. They're ahead of Washington, ahead of Florida State. Head of Mizzou, <laughs> head of Mississippi, head of Tennessee. I mean, yeah, that I think that computer's missing a hard drive or something like that. I think so too. Well, uh, ch- uh, for those who may not remember, they beat Kansas State head to head on Harrison Mevis's sixty-one yard field goal, an SEC record. So head to head, there are two teams. Ranked ahead of Missouri that they beat. Yep. And yep. then you played the number one team all year long to seven points. Yes. I mean, and, and you should have. You got beat by LSU, but that last that that last touchdown that they scored off the interception doesn't count much for me. But you know, you you played LSU tough. You you played teams tough that Missouri normally doesn't play tough. And I think Drink is turning this thing around. I just hope the portal doesn't hurt him. I hope it continues to help him. And he seems to know what he's doing with this portal thing. So I'm hoping that we've got a coach in there now that can keep us up in you know in the spotlight for a few years. Not just the portal, Mike. Uh, NIL money. Yes. They are. They are doing a good job with the NIL money. Yes. And it just. We've got, and I thought he would be a good hire. And the thing I'm impressed with is Missouri didn't run him off after the first one or two years. 
you know how they get impatient and, and how, you know, they let him stay there, they let him get his players, and now look at them. They actually kept him around, and, and that's impressive with the, with the Mizzou University to keep him around like that because it's easy nowadays. If a coach doesn't have a good year, well, get rid of him. And it's good to see that they stuck with Drinkowitz and they saw something in him that that could be prominent, and and it's a good thing. Well, and they're paying him some money too. Finally, I mean, you know, he he's he ranked in the bottom half, I think, of the SEC yeah. as far as salary goes, and you know, he's got the what a new contract extension, which I don't think they announced, you know, the numbers of that yet, but uh, obviously going to get a get an increase uh, with it. I think they project maybe another $3 million per year potentially or something along those lines. But um, The other smart thing he did, he kept his OC and his DC. He he kept his offensive coordinator and his defensive coordinator. I think that was a smart move on Drinkwood's part and the university's part to sign these guys back up and extend them. Because I really like their offensive coordinator they got. He's good. He's good. The college championship game, I just think Washington is going to beat Michigan. I've got that feeling. That quarterback they got, he throws darts. And I I know Michigan has a good defense, but I just see Washington taking it to them. I think Washington wins by a touchdown, fellas. Whoa. Oh, that's now Eric's rooting for Michigan, so those are those right. are fighting words. <laughs> but I, hey, I would not be upset to see Michael Penix Jr. win right. and Washington win. It, it would be kind of cool in the very last year of the Pac-12 that the Pac-12 won the national championship. Yeah, I mean there are storylines either way for whoever wins it. But yeah, I, I'm kind of rooting for Michigan. Well, and Penn, I mean, he's battled what he had three surgeries, I think, but, uh, yeah. both knees and and a shoulder surgery, and um, I mean that's that's a storyline in itself, you know, just a determination. And you're right, Mike. Though, man, he was throwing darts the other night. That was that was fun to watch. And and he's right on target, Mike and Eric. I mean, there's no. There's no, well, you've got to reach back and get the ball or you've got to go way over your head to get the ball. He was on target and putting the ball right where his receivers could grab it and go. And he, I think he's going to be something special if he doesn't get hurt again. Like you said, he's had so many surgeries that you've got to wonder about him in the NFL if he gets, you know, if he, when he goes. But, Man, he can he can put the ball right on the and he can, as the as the experts like to say, he can make every throw that needs to be made, and he can do it with precision. So I, I am I think Washington wins by a touchdown on on Monday night. I really do. Would you? I I would be surprised if Michael Penix was not a first round draft pick. I think I I think he'd go top twenty. I've seen. I saw one mock where he they had him in the second round, uh, just the mock draft that I saw. I, I've got to think he's played his way into being a first round. Does that mean you think injuries are part of why that could be why he would slip a little bit? Um, I can't think of it. I, I, it's not play on not, the field, right, man. Not the I mean, way the he guy plays. was a finalist for the Heisman Trophy. But if you need a quarterback, 
I think I think you take a shot at him. And I could see him going top. I don't think he'll go top ten, but I could see him going top twenty in the top twenty in the draft. And Good I, predictions I, from me this morning. My goodness. <laughs> and I think with his injuries too, he's not a guy that runs a lot, so no. they're not going to be. You know, he he could be protected True. well in the pocket and show off the arm and. You know, I think you always worry about these guys that get out and like to run and, you know, will they get injured? Um, but I think he seems to be a guy that stays home quite a bit unless he unless he's got to get out of trouble. Yes. Anyway, fellas, have a great day. As I said, prayers go out to Miss Neva. Mike, it was good talking to you, buddy. I hadn't talked to you in a long time. You too, Mike. Have a good day. All right. You guys take care, and we'll talk to you later. All right. All right. That's Mike on the EBOMD huddle hotline. Again, our... Hotline number 573-334-1220. 573-334-1220. The Huddle Hotline powered by EBOMD. And let's face it, I mean, we talked about Eli Drinkwitz's extension. Well, let's face it, there was a little pressure on Drinkwitz this year. He had three straight 500 seasons. People were looking for more than that sure. at the University of Missouri. Now uh, they win 11 games. That is the first time they have done that since 2014. And his recruiting class for the upcoming season is ranked 23rd. It's the third time he's had a top 25 recruiting class. Yeah, I mean, the results on the field are, you know, it brings results on the recruiting side. So, um you know, hopefully he can keep it going. It seemed like a lot of people felt like that game against Ohio State was, you know, so important. Not just because of you want to get to the eleven wins, you want to win the bowl game, you're in a, you know, New Year's Six bowl for the first time in quite a while. But just to just to use that game as a as a uh, jumping board for, you know, future Mizzou success. That that kind of seemed to be the you know, what Trinkowitz was feeling about that win, that this is going to be a catalyst, you know, for Mizzou football to continue uh, to do well in the future. And recruiting class shows that, and hopefully they can don't, – don't lose a lot of guys, you know, for next season. So, And I think their schedule is pretty favorable for next it year. Is. It is. Um, I know there's always – I know the SEC is always going to be tough. but I think you've got a shot to maybe be 6-0 and going into the Alabama game. Yeah, um, and I, you know, I think, you know, who knows with Alabama? I mean, they're always they're always good, but is that game? Well, they don't. They announce is it home or away? Uh, I think the last time they played Alabama wasn't it at Mizzou. I think it, it may have been. So it may be. Uh, I'm trying to pull up future games. They used to have, hold on, yeah, 2024. I was going to say they used to have a look ahead. Okay. Uh, They host Murray State. Then they host Buffalo. Three straight, four straight home games to start the season. You've got Murray State, Buffalo, Boston College, Vanderbilt. So you should be 4-0 there. At Texas A&M, that might be a little tricky, but Texas A&M is... In rebuild mode, they've lost a lot of guys to the portal uh, when they f- fired their head coach. 
So five and zero, oh, you host or you go to UMass. That's a road game. Wow, at uh, UMass. Yeah. Uh, so and then it's Auburn, and it is in Tuscaloosa, October twenty sixth, Alabama. They host Oklahoma. Mm. Remember, they're in the yeah, they're in the uh, SEC now. They go to Mississippi State and host Arkansas. Okay, I mean you could win. You could win ten games again. Absolutely. That might be a homecoming game in Alabama potentially. So at home, you get Auburn, Oklahoma, and Arkansas all in Columbia. In addition to your first four games of the year, that's that's pretty decent home schedule for I SEC. Agree. I mean, that when's the last time they played Oklahoma? Do you think? Been a while. I mean, has it been what, what since that? they switched conferences? Probably not. I don't think they played Oklahoma. I, that maybe the last time they played Oklahoma when Oklahoma was ranked number one in the nation and Mizzou beat them. And that was at Oklahoma, wasn't it? I think, uh, maybe I it, was, think it was in Columbia. Okay. They had a the game. Didn't it start with like a kickoff return for a touchdown? Uh, it's been a few years. Been a few years. Well, that's a that's a nice uh, rivalry to be able to bring back. Um, yeah, their next so that the last time that they last time they played was 2011, mm. and was who beat them? I think Oklahoma won that okay. game, 38-28. But that's the. Uh, well, Mizzou had a better year than Oklahoma did. Now, yeah, they were up until two nights ago. They were the only team that beat Texas. Very true. So that that certainly was a quality win. All right, do you uh, did you watch the Cowboys and the Detroit Lions? I, I did watch a decent amount of that. That did was you Saturday, see, Was that Saturday night? Yeah. Did you see the end of the game and the controversy? I, I did see the end of the game. Um, the referee in that game, his name is Brad Allen. And the NFL has weighed in on the uh, controversy with Brad Allen. Oh. What did they say? Or what did they not say? We'll talk about it when we come back. Sports Huddle, SEMO, ESPN. Welcome back to Sports Huddle, SEMO, ESPN Radio. 12.20 a.m., 93.5 FM, and online at SEMOESPN.com. Eric Sean, Mike Rennick sitting in for Jess Bolin. And uh, we are off on Thursday and Friday, but we'll be back here on Monday. Get the Monday Marty party revved up. Uh, Mike, it's the first time that you and I have chatted here since Cape Central won the Southeast Missourian uh, Christmas basketball tournament over the Jackson Indians, 75 to 48. And of course, uh, man, I've been here since 97 and we've done every game. And I know we did it before I got here. Uh, every game of that tournament, all 26 games, uh, it can be a little exhausting. It is trying for your voice, uh, but it's always something that uh, everybody loves being a part of. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this year, another, another great year. Um, and Cape Central, just a fantastic team. Looking forward to that 
Cape Central Sykeston rematch, you know, at some point of those two teams are talked about. Obviously, February 9th, February 9th Central. I think Marty Michaud was saying that uh, he's already or he's going to get his tickets early. Yeah, or he bet. may he may have already gotten them. <laughs> yeah, probably need to, but no, it was great. Yeah, thank you for your coverage and Rusty Hendricks and you know just a, another great tournament. We had you know we had a ton of feedback. Um, we now we can actually track when someone streams our radio station. Is it through the app or just streams Either, you know, the, you or can, the website? You can go to the website. You can go to the app. You can use a smart speaker. Um, those streams are with EBOMD and Air Solutions Cape now this this uh, this year. But yeah, we had like over six thousand, I think, uh, stream starts during the Christmas tournament. So six thousand total for it, the four day event. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it, and so it just shows you. And remember, the first day we had streaming we had a little, issues. We had a little issue there. Yeah. yeah, we were able to get that onto our social media pages, but uh, it just shows you how. How much people love that tournament, you know, and, and uh, how much people and love people, Rund- Rusty Hendricks. Yeah, there you go. That's right. And they, you know, we talked about it. I mean, a lot of these schools don't have radio coverage, you know, correct. throughout the throughout the season. So, um, you know, this is a, a chance for them to be in the spotlight, and and we definitely appreciate you know appreciate you listening to our coverage, and, and whether it be on the stream or or uh, on the radio, but uh, yeah, that that stream was was uh, fantastic. It was huge, and and you can stream all of our programming anytime you want to. You can you can hear your Semo Redhawks and on down the line. So um, yeah, it was it was a great great week, and we teamed up with Semo Ball uh, on the final day. They had a a great uh, video cast of that that they streamed on their social media and sites. we've been doing that for several years yeah, last few years feeding yeah. feeding semo ball they've been they they do video of the entire final day right of the tournament yeah but it, but it keeps getting better you know it kind of started with like you know one camera moving side right. to side and and you know they had they had that uh you know center court angle they had the ba- you know by the baskets and you know very similar to the espn plus feeds that people are accustomed to um, so it was a good, good partnership there. And, and I think they did a fabulous job with, you know, you got an update on the game that ended on SEMO Ball's website or on their social media almost instantaneously. Yes, they stayed on top of that. Yeah, it was, it was very, very, uh, very good coverage. So another, another, another year in the books and we'll do it again in a, about a year from now. All right, so the big controversy at the end of that uh, Dallas-Detroit football game about number 68, and I'm I'm not grabbing their names, but the numbers were 68 and 70. Right. With the two guys that allegedly reported to referee Brad Allen. And 68, after the game, uh, usually you're not talking to offensive linemen. The media is not. <laughs> yeah. No offense to offensive linemen. But it's not like, you know, he is going to the press conferences and, you know, reporters are around his locker on a regular basis. But they talk to him after this game. And they probably like it that way. Yeah. Uh, so he caught what appeared to be a potential game-winning two-point conversion pass. And Brad Allen was the referee. Now, these referees, they do not have to face the music of the media. The only thing they uh, players do, coaches do. I mean, assistant coaches, if you know, if asked, 
the only ones that don't are the officials. And the only way you get any word from them, there is a pool reporter, and it's normally just a local reporter uh, in whatever market they're in. They are in Dallas. And so this local pool reporter will go in and get a statement from the referee in a situation like this. He went in and asked three questions, and that's all you hear. The NFL has not spoken about this, but they kind of did because referee Brad Allen and his entire crew who worked the Lions-Cowboys game have now been assigned to Saturday's Steelers-Ravens game on ESPN, so that officiating crew is back on national television this week. Yeah, that's a, and that's a big game. Uh, I mean, they're all big games, I know. Uh, it's big for the Steelers. It, it, Ravens, right. it Ravens have it locked up. Yeah. And, you know, you got to think John Harbaugh is going to be resting some people, especially Lamar Jackson. True, very true. But the Lions game was huge. I mean, they obviously could have worked their way potentially into a two-seed. A two-seed. Um, you know, I, did you think he wasn't going to go for two there? No, everyone knew he was going to go for two, and even and, after the penalty, he goes like, for two again. That's just it. That's what Jess and I were talking about was once he didn't get it on the first, once they threw the penalty flag, uh, you have to kick. You, you, you got you got to play for overtime. Then. Uh, but was was there was twenty seven no- seconds left? Yeah, was there another penalty that moved the ball back up for the Lions before? It was, there, there was a there was a penalty against the Cowboys, against the Cowboys on their second attempt, right? And that put it back to basically the right the original line of scrimmage. And then the third attempt was the underthrown ball by Jared Goff in the left flat to the tight end, and that was it. Now, if he if he hits that guy, I mean, it's I mean he's wide open touchdown. But so was there? Has the NFL they they have said anything, or they or they they haven't? They, they are not. They're not saying, saying anything. Oh, no. okay. But I think it's a little bit of a statement from the NFL to assign them a national Another. television game. Yeah. So do you do you know all the ins and outs with what went on there? I mean, basically, it's a he said he said because Brad Allen claims that only seventy reported, not sixty eight. And 68 clearly walked up to him. Walked up to wait, wait. And that's what I was saying yesterday to Jess. What do you think? He just went over to say hi? Yeah. How are you? You doing anything after the game? Why did he go over there? Yeah. I and, mean, I can't prove that he reported, but it sure looked like he did. Well, and you have to have some way of reporting to where it's not going to give away to the Cowboys like what their game plan Cowboys is. Cowboys got tricky about it by sending two guys over there. But then the official, Brad Allen, announced number 70 has reported as an eligible player because there are certain numbers that you wear on your uniform that make you ineligible. Just the number itself, you are ineligible to catch a pass unless, and 68 and 70 are part of those numbers. Right. And so that's why you've got to report. But uh, there was... I know there was a little murkiness after the game uh, on social media and on the radio. No one knew the rule. Can more than one guy report? And that is yes. The answer to that is yes, and that's what they did. 
They tried to get tricky by sending two guys over there, and then Allen made the announcement on the public address system. You know, he's got the microphone. Right. And he said number 70 has reported, and he talked to the Cowboys, and that's what they do. They tell you, okay, this guy has reported, but there was no mention of 68, but we clearly, in the video, saw 68 walk over to the referee. Either way, uh, there is apparently no punishment being handed down to this particular crew because they've got a national TV game. Well, got to decide whether Pittsburgh makes a playoff. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I guess as a as a coach, if you if you hear him announce that, would would you not want to maybe call a timeout? And I don't know how many times they listen to that. I mean, they're so into this game, right? I mean, they're sending the play call in. They've been working on this trick play. You know, you're you're worried. Is somebody going to jump? You know, You've got a lot to think about there. I thought in the broadcast, I thought Joe Buck even said that, like, the Lions had talked to the referee, like, you know, prior to the game or... They always do. Th- this this, might, coaches, this I, might be coming, you know? Like, when I... Coach Took always, you have a meeting with the officials, and there's usually two or three officials. And at that time, you can bring up Plays that you may run. Hey, don't throw a flag on us for this because you might see this happen. Uh, and then they just go over, you know, different rules and, and different things. And sure. Rosters and all that good stuff. It happens every game. I, when I do a Jackson game, they the coaches talk to the officials before the game. Right. But one report on social media stated that, yes, Dan Campbell, he did confirm at his press conference that, yes, he had talked with the officials before the game. One report was Brad Allen was not a part of that meeting, the referee, the white hat. So that's one report that I saw on social media. Either way, I thought it was interesting news that Brad Allen and his crew have been assigned a national television game one week after the debacle. Yeah, I guess that's the NFL saying all is good and let's move on, um, which I guess that's all you can do at this point. But that was that was a good game. That was a fun game to watch. And uh, unfortunately, the Lions will have to – they have a three seed now, I guess, most likely. Yes. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy to – is this the last? Is this the last week of the NFL? This is it. This is it, man. Last weekend, man. Now you you failed to mention uh, about the free falling Philadelphia Eagles and the team that beat them this past weekend, the Arizona Cardinals. Or did you and Jess already break that down? Uh, we we brushed you past brushed it. over it. Yeah, we brushed past it. We yeah. we did talk about the fact that the the Eagles lost to the to the Cardinals. It's a terrible loss for the Eagles. If you're Arizona, why are you winning and you don't get as high a draft pick? I know. I think they already won too much, and so now it's okay. now it's like, well, let's just see what we can do. But um, Kyler yeah. Kyler Murray can be a really dynamic player. Yeah, if can, he, if he can, can stay, he stay healthy. healthy, can he stay healthy? That's it's right. that's that's his thing. Can he stay healthy? All right, the numbers are in. The rating Nielsen numbers are in for the Rose Bowl game between Alabama and Michigan. 
It attracted an average of 27.2 million viewers. That is the highest among all of the semifinal matchups since they started the college football playoff in the 2014-15 season. The highest Hmm. that they've gotten for the semifinal. And at one stretch, at the peak of the broadcast, there were 32.8 million viewers. Those are big numbers. Wow. That is a lot. Those are big numbers. I don't even know if the final, if the championship game will have those types of numbers. It ranked as one of the top 10 cable telecasts, not just college football, NFL, college, or cable telecasts of all time. It was the most watched non NFL sporting event. Since 2018. Hmm. Yeah, think about all the different sporting events that have happened in that time frame. And I mean, that's those, the most those two programs, when when you say Blue Blood and college football, I mean, top two, three, four, those, I mean, they're, they're in the top five. I mean, oh, those are just massive Blue Blood football programs. Yeah, just, uh, they're kind of the... You know, you mentioned the Dallas Cowboys. You know, their fan base swells beyond obviously their state borders, and and uh, yeah, that was that that was a great game, great game. And it started at four o'clock Central Time. It's an interesting start time, mm-hmm. and it was seven forty-five local time for the Washington Texas game. So you got twenty-seven point two million for Michigan Alabama, twenty-seven point two. For Washington and Texas, eighteen point four million, still a good number. Uh, that is the fourth highest Sugar Bowl audience in twenty years. Wow, that game really didn't kick off till what after eight yeah. Central Time? Yeah, because of the length of the Michigan Alabama game. Yeah, you like the uh, the overtime rule? Yes, you do, even in a playoff setting like that. Yep, do you? I like it. Start from the twenty-five yard line. I think it's exciting, and you know, I the NFL rule. I'm not. I'm not a big fan of the NFL rule. I like the way college football does it. Both teams get to possess the ball. Theoretically, that happens in the NFL unless the team that gets it goes and scores a touchdown. Then the other team does not get a crack at it. Yeah. Yeah, it is nice to have them have them both have it. Now, is it changed over the years? Some like do they? Yes, after the second overtime, then you just line up and go for two points. It's just two-point conversions. Yes. Okay. That's correct. So That's why, like, Illinois had that eight or nine overtime game. You that's remember right. That? Yeah. They were just running two-point conversions. Yeah, I was watching uh, a couple weeks ago, I was watching the uh, gee, Montana and North Dakota State right. game, and it, I hadn't really seen a overtime game in – quite some time and i was like this is this is a little bit different you know and and obviously they put the football at the 25 yeah. and go and well but then the two-point conversion yeah piece that starts happening and let's see okay the increase of the sugar bowl being watched by 18.4 Slight increase over last year's college football semifinal games, which brought in average of about 21.7 million voters. 
And then ESPN, who obviously carried the games uh, and paid a lot of money to be able to do it, uh, despite airing a Monday night football broadcast on Saturday night in Week 17, it delivered a third historic audience for ABC and ESPN. Now, those games, the Cowboys and Lions is the game that we're referring to that had the controversial ending. Dallas won 20-19. to 19. They averaged 25.6 million viewers. And remember, they do this modernly. It's on ESPN, it's on ABC, it's on ESPN2. You get, you know, you get the Manning cast, and then it's on ESPN Deportes, and they can take all of those numbers to round it into 25.6 million viewers. I wonder if that includes uh, streams, you know, get ESPN Plus going. You've got... I would think so. Yeah, I would, I would imagine so. So the simulcasting has helped uh, bring up the numbers, but right now... Uh, they had an historic year for Monday Night Football. Now, it helps that they're running on all those stations, all those outlets. Sure. But still, um, NFL's king, man. I mean, <laughs> it's just the way it is. They are the king. I mean, you, if you go for weekly television programs, you go look at the weekly Nelson Nielsen ratings, and almost all of it are football games, NFL games. I was thinking the other uh, over the weekend – because you know you had, you had a lot of obviously all the bowl games. I'm like Sunday. There's no there's no bowl games on Sunday. Why are there any bowl games on Sunday? Like ah, you got the NFL. That's right. They're not gonna. They're not. They're they're smart enough to to not compete against the NFL. You don't want to go up against the NFL unless you have to. Right. Right. Yeah. Because there's no Monday Night Football. Is there Monday? Night? There's no Monday Night Football no. this coming that Monday. Was, that, Season's that was over. The last one. Yeah. So. All right, you got Chiefs, Chargers. It really doesn't mean a whole lot for the Chiefs. And they're underdogs in this game. Minus three. I wonder if that line was set where it is because they're anticipating maybe the Chiefs are going to have some, like Mahomes isn't going to play. Yeah, some of these guys aren't going to play. Is it? I guess it's away. Yeah, it's in L.A. It stands place. Crocky. That's right. All right, uh, say hello to the uh, lovely and talented Dawn Sean. She is going uh, with SEMO basketball as well as we head to Macomb, my hometown, and uh, we've got a doubleheader with the Leathernecks tomorrow, 5 o'clock for the women, 7.30 for the men. That's she- exciting to get back home for you, huh? Yeah, she's never uh, she's never been there, so she wants to. See where little Ishan. See your stomping ground? Where where we used to play in the sandbox. Yeah. (laughs) She got to look at the sandbox. All right. uh, Have a good trip. You want to have a a final last word here? I think, can I still say Happy New Year? Absolutely Uh, not. Once the New Year is here, you you cannot be Chris Berman. And two weeks later, (laughs) Happy Blended New Year. I was listening to something earlier. Sports talk out of St. Louis, and one and Jamie Rivers was like, "You can't say Happy New Year after January second. After you've come back to work, after you've been back, it's over." And, and Chris Canny, and uh, uns- with unsportsmanlike, said the same thing yesterday. Really? <laughs> it's like I don't want to hear it. It's over with. Yeah, get on with it's it. It's just like uh, you know, uh, January first. 
or December 27th. Get the tree down. Yeah, exactly. My mom used to leave the tree up seemingly through February. Now, see, I like that. I like that. The Christmas season starts on Christmas. And it goes for another couple weeks after. So I, we keep our stuff up, up as well. I, I drove, The department stores seem to think Christmas starts as soon as Halloween is well, over. Well, I, I get that. I, <laughs> I get that. I, I, was, I saw Valentine's boxes up uh, the other day in the one of the stores that I was in. So there you go. Everybody moves on quick. It's coming. Yep. All right. All we'll right, see you when we get back. All right. All right. Enjoy the rest of your week, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Greeny is coming up next. 